Hello, it's Tuesday the 5th of December. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I slept through two alarms today. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we gather at the UK papers and make them do Christmas karaoke just for a laugh. The Telegraph gives a hearty God rest ye merry gentlemen. The Mail has a funny turn over the lyrics of 2,000 miles and the Star changes the words to Jingle Bell Rock to something so filthy that HR resigns on the spot. <laughs> and it's a special Paper Cuts today as we've reached an impressive and to some unlikely milestone. Paper Cuts is 100! Woohoo! <laughs> Yes, today's show is our 100th, so we're eagerly awaiting our special letter from the King and the tabloids are queuing up to ask us about our top tips for living longer. Our tips are arguing and crystal meth. Only joking. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see that coming. (laughs) We are actually very happy to have made it this far and even happier that you lovely listeners have made it with us too. For without you, of course, we are nout. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Candles for the win. The UK's energy might go down under a cyber attack and the government says we should be prepared. Get down to Rizness. The word of the year has been announced. Do you know what it means? And here we go. Plucky Brit wins the international mullet competition. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we'll monetize our mortification for the usual word rate. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is historian and fellow Paper Cuts hostess, Alex von Tunzelman. Hello, Alex. Hello. And also with us is writer and fellow Paper Cuts guest, Jason Hazley. Hi, Jason. Hello. So what do we have on the front pages today? Alex, what have we got? Well, uh, the Telegraph and the Times are going for quite similar angles. They're both leading on new curbs on migrants. So the Telegraph has migrant curbs to cut arrivals by quarter. And the Times has led with five-point plan to cut migration. Though it's slightly hard to work out what the five points are if you read the piece. Um, anybody, anybody else got five-point plan fatigue? I mean, yes, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, so they're both leading on that from the government. The Guardian taking a different uh, story, probably less pleasing to the government. Sellafield nuclear site hacked by groups linked to Russia and China. Sounds quite scary. I think we'll be talking about that a bit later. They're also, they've put on the front page, Israel extending its offensive into south of Gaza. Hmm. Uh, And the iPaper has gone with pollute if you want to. Toothless sewage watchdog fails to visit 90% of toxic spills. These are all incredibly jolly for our 100. (laughs) Not very cheering news, I'm sorry. What have you got, Jason? Uh, I've got the Sun, which has a large rubber stamp imitation on a passport page saying access denied Rishi gets tough on migration Ooh, Rishi, Rishi. <laughs> you've got tough um, the Daily Mail is also going on uh, this immigration clampdown biggest ever clampdown will slash migration by 300,000 but there's also is this the reason some women are pear shaped uh, illustrated <laughs> with a picture of a pear is, is what the reason Pear. Is this pear the reason some women are pear shaped? <laughs> Is it because they're stuffing their faces with pears? Um, the mirror goes somewhere different, down to the jungle. Farage makes you kip. As uh, in, that's quite good. As in, yeah, it's yeah, good, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a celeb insider's brand. No personality politician, a waste of money. He's a bit dull. Well, it? it was their fault. They shouldn't have paid him so much. Yeah, quite. And the Daily Star... 
has some, uh, again, meaningless story about space. A nasty case of the asteroids. That's not what the front page is about, though. The Daily Star's thought for the day up in the, uh, up in the top left of the front page is, by God, we really miss that lettuce. <laughs> That is about the lettuce they had instead of Liz Truss, isn't it? And they've now realised that Rishi is even more boring than Liz Truss. Because his his popularity (laughs) is lower than Liz Truss's this week. It's an impressive bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he's managed to kind of go right under. Yeah. Limbo. He's really limbo. <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> Slithered, one might say. <laughs> OK, look, let's, let's have a quick look at those sensationalist migration headlines. James Cleverley, the new Home Secretary, has come up with, yes, a five-point plan to reduce legal migration. What is it, Alex? I mean, we couldn't quite find five points, could we? But we have found what it's about. The main kind of headline of the story is bringing in a much higher minimum salary for foreign workers. So going up from £26,200 to £38,700. Really huge jump, kind of a 50% uplift in the salary that's expected. And even more strict if they're intending to bring a partner. There are some exceptions for this, such as health and social care workers who are specifically needed. But effectively, this is about placing very, very stringent curbs on migration. Yeah, and it's, I mean, basically, if you're a health and social worker, you don't have to earn as much as that, but you can't bring your family now. Yes, exactly. So come over here, work for minimum wage in a very, very difficult job, and you can't even bring your partner. You can't bring your partner. You can only bring a spouse in if you earn £38,700. It used to be 18600 So that is a huge, huge Absolutely jump. Absolutely enormous. Massive. And Massive I do wonder what, what, what defines a healthcare worker as well. Because, if, for instance, if you work for a subcontractor like Initial that does cleaning and you work in hospitals, are you a healthcare worker? Yeah. Because you're going to earn 22000 being a cleaner in a hospital. You're not going to earn anything like 38700 Yeah, well, exactly. I imagine not, actually. And they're also scrapping the shortage occupation list. This was this weird scheme which meant that employers could hire foreign workers at 20% below the going rate in the UK, which mm. does seem like I always thought that was a bit odd. But so that one, they're scrapping. OK, fine. But the reaction to this is quite interesting because basically they've done this because they're getting pressure from right-wingers. And Suella Braverman has returned (laughs) and she says you've not gone far enough even though she had all these ideas in the first place and said it's all too late even though these are exactly her proposals yes she's uh she said on the front of the times well i'm glad the pm has finally agreed to introducing some of them now but the delay has reduced their impact so a bit of sour grapes from suella there who was former hate secretary (laughs) (laughs) sunak has written an op-ed in the sun um Brexit was meant to bring control of our borders and the points-based immigration system was supposed to keep numbers low. But too often, politicians have not been willing to take the hard decisions to deliver on those promises. Instead of coming down, net migration has got higher and higher. Does he know who's in charge? (laughs) Has anyone told him? (laughs) So odd. Now, before we chat big news, we're going to chat big birthdays because, Jason, you have found out some fun facts about being 100, haven't you? Yeah, I've got some hundreds for you. Okay, this is great. (laughs) A hundred days ago, Mm -hmm. Nadine Dorries resigned as an MP a mere two and a half months after saying she would. (laughs) A hundred weeks ago, this is January 22, Partygate was just taking off, Wordle was going huge and Prince Andrew lost the HRH in his name. A hundred years ago, much more interesting, the Beer Hall Putsch. The first dinosaur eggs were discovered. The Hollywood sign went up. 
Time magazine was launched, Wembley Stadium opened, insulin was made widely available. Wow. Um, the BBC started using Big Ben's chimes on the radio and the US Attorney General said it is legal for women to wear trousers anywhere. <laughs> And that was the beginning of the end. Yep, that was it. <laughs> I hope you noticed that the Daily Mail don't allow it. Yeah. <laughs> if you have your photo taken in the mail, you've got to be wearing a skirt. <laughs> and, um, and because people, quite a lot of people now live to the age of 100, of course, so you often see 100th birthdays and mm. things. By the way, if you want a telegram or whatever it is from the king, you have to apply on gov.uk. Do you now? Because yes. my gran got one and she definitely didn't apply. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a bit at, ago. You can get one at 105 as well. And then every year after 105. Well, wow. I should think so. Very That's exciting, quite an isn't it? Anyway, uh, I, this this lovely headline from the Southwark News: Rotherhithe woman with wicked sense of humour has hundredth birthday party in an old morgue. <laughs> Okay, that's amazing. I want to go to her party. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, now, look, back to business. <laughs> back to the serious stuff of the news. Or maybe back to the 1970s, because on the front page of the Times, there is a headline urging us, don't panic, but stock up on candles, batteries and torches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I mean, is going on, Alex? Well, there's a sort of problem that the uh, second half of that headline you know, really after you've had the first. I mean, you're sort of going back and revising the first quite rapidly, aren't you, yeah. when you're thinking about that? So this is Oliver Dowden has told us that we must stock up on things like candles, battery powered radios and torches to boost what he says is our personal resilience in case a crisis wipes out digital networks of power supplies. He says that we should remember the analogue era. So, you know, obviously probably some of us can't remember the analogue era. I, know, but I think it's really weird. I can remember the analogue era, but I mean, like, too, I'm but I'm quite old. <laughs> Quite sure that the young uns cannot. And at the same time, you know, prepare for modern technology potentially to get a bit out of control, cyber attacks, terrorist attacks on, you know, these kind of institutions and so forth. So, I mean, it does sound a bit scary. And it's one of these stories that you sort of first of all think, is this a rather desperate government putting out silly stories to distract us? Except on the front of The Guardian, you've also got the story that Sellafield nuclear site has been hacked by groups linked to Russia and China. And you've got various other stories about hacks happening recently, you know, the British Library hack and so forth, cyber attack, that actually sort of starts making you think, hold on a minute, is there something we should be paying some attention to here? Yeah, it's I do the, agree the, the with that, but it's said I don't understand what candles have got to do with that. I don't know how candles is going to save the dark. internet. I, th- I, th- I think it's because the government's in the po- in, clearly in the pocket of big candles. <laughs> Um, there is there is the why of these pieces though is quite interesting. That so that one, I mean, this line from the Times, Dowden said it would help for the population to be temporarily sent back to an analog era where modern technology temporarily sent back, mm. like dragging us backwards in time, like this government's been doing for thirteen tedious fucking years. But why? <laughs> so why is this story here? It reminded me of when in twenty seventeen, the Guardian of all papers ran a huge TikTok of what would happen when the Queen died. It exposed the whole of Operation London Bridge and I thought oh, okay they're softening us up they want they want us to be ready they put it mm. in the Guardian of all places but this one I'm sort of wondering 
do they know there's something big coming or is something terrible? Has it happened? And or they, do they know they've got noise, you know, SIGINT saying something is going to happen and they just need to prepare us to go have some candles in, guys? Yeah, exactly. Get your heaters in as well or whatever. Actually get a coal fire. Yes. <laughs> that, might, yeah. that could be the answer. I mean, these, these cyber hacks into Sellafield is one of them. That one is really quite terrifying that in the in the Guardian, that story, isn't it? It is. I mean, I you know, it, it's one of these things that comes in and you think, nah. And then you see, yeah, they've had attacks first detected in 2015. I mean, and apparently we still don't know if the malware from that attack has been eradicated. So why are we just finding out about this now? I mean, nearly yeah. a decade on. Yeah, definitely. So basically they think it was the IT systems were compromised in 2015. So the malware has gone in. It's probably still there. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, obviously it's it's a place where radioactive waste is is stored and could be compromised. Yeah, and they haven't it's, figured out what to do with it yet anyway. Yeah. And I mean, there's all sorts of things you could do with that, which are just really quite terrifying. So, I mean, you know, that does seem very alarming. And then we've got various other stories. I mean, yesterday, the Metro had this story about how cyber hackers are demanding money, 300 grand, or they're going to reveal the royal family's medical records. <laughs> they managed to hack <laughs> into... Uh, <laughs> Hack into the Harry's key. already done that effectively, hasn't he, with his frostbitten dick? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that story. That was yeah. one I fully thought was parody. I wonder whether there is a security problem with Sellafield more generally, though, because in The Guardian's uh, reporting on this, they've got this extraordinary detail. In one highly embarrassing incident last July, login details and passwords for secure IT systems were inadvertently broadcast on TV by the BBC One Nature series Country File after proof... <laughs> After crews were invited into the secure site for a piece on rural communities and the nuclear industry. <laughs> That's just brilliant. That's incredible, isn't it? Someone's taking their eye off the ball here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing. That's like, it's properly Black Mirror, that, isn't it? But it's not even like, it's not even Black Mirror, like, in the way that Black Mirror is normally really organised and, like, so everything's going to be working. It's just Black Mirror comedy. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> But actually, I think more concerningly, probably for many of us who are outside the royal family, uh, the British Library hack in October by this ransomware group called Risida, which took all of the sort of readers' data, but also all of the library's data, its website, so on. It's still not back up. It's been about six weeks. You still can't order from the online catalogue in the British Library. Yeah, it's very odd. And also this, so Risida, the, the people that took all the all the information, set a deadline, you know, like for paying off, paying the money. And the money that they wanted was 590 grand, i.e. 20 Bitcoin, which always makes me laugh because I think Bitcoin is kind of rubbish. Just give them Bitcoin because it doesn't, <laughs> after a while, it's going to crash. It's like giving them chocolate money. Yeah, here, have 20 <laughs> chocolate coins. That'll work. <laughs> but I don't know if they've paid it or not because nobody will quite reveal that. I presume not, I have to say, because I don't think the British Library have got 590 this, grand. This is yet more evidence that Bitcoin is not a great bunch of lads, is it? <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> don't invest with them. Not the best. No, I mean, I think it's been, this story has been quite underreported. I mean, The Guardian's done a couple of really good pieces of reporting on it, mm. but we haven't seen a lot about it. And I think that's quite surprising. So, you know, there seems to be really a lot of data compromised and gone. So if you are a member of the British Library, so anyone who's ever written a book, for instance, is involved with something called the PLR, the public lending rights. So when someone takes your book out of a library, you get a very small payment, but a, a lovely payment in recognition of the fact that that's sort of, you know, part of your labour and all of that. Very a wonderful system. But it's administered through the British Library. So everybody, everybody's bank details, ID documents, everything are on this website and uh, now up for sale. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 
I got a little email from the British Library because I am a member there and I have written books, although nobody borrows them, so it's fine. (laughs) 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 So, but I got an email saying, look, you, you might want to change your passwords. And I just thought... I have no clue what my password is, so it's fine. <laughs> Every time I log into anything, I change my password because I just can't remember it. So it's it's all going to be fine, lads. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, who knows whether Oliver Dowden is being a little bit alarmist or whether actually, in fact, the government is like, OK, this is going to get really serious. Everybody, you better have candles. You're going to need to cook over them. <laughs> That's going to be the only option. Well, it's going to be a very salady Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> Now, we're very fond of words here at Papercuts Towers, and that's lucky because every year there's a whole load of new ones to discover and enjoy. On the front page of The Guardian, in fact, there's a strapline announcing the brand new word of the year. Jason, what is this word? The word of the year is RIZ, (laughs) R-I-Z-Z, which is an abbreviation of charisma. Yes. These words of the year, I'm not quite sure how they arrived at. There's There's a long list which is then got down by public vote to a short list. Um, and there were some great ones on this year's shortlist. One was situationship, which is a relationship that isn't formalised. Oh, yeah, which quite is like nice. That. My favourite one was a beige flag, which is oh, a yeah. warning that someone's boring. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so these words of the year, there's a, if you go back, if you walk back through them, it's interesting that it, it does tell you a bit about effectively what, uh, socially what was going on at the time. So in 2004, the word of the year was chav, mm. which we probably wouldn't even use now. You know, yeah, it's kind yeah. of... It's pretty horrible. Go on. In 2014, it was vape. I like that one. In 2015, it was the laughing, crying emoji, which is not a word. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> so, come on. Last year's was goblin mode. Yeah. Um, the year before was vax. In 2020, it was an unprecedented year, so there were too many words to include. But obviously the winner should have been coronavirus. Cause but there were so many, wasn't there? There was like coronavirus, lockdown, unmute. Nobody had unmute before because nobody was using Zoom. And That's, going, true. Hello. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Pandemic even, face masks, key workers, all these entire new words that we were kind of using. Yeah, but and also you- that year, but they also listed workation and state. Vacation, which are Franken words. But 2005, podcast. I know. And here we are. (laughs) So I think we should go back to Riz. I just want to go back to Riz because a young person has told us (laughs) how to use this word. And you don't just say, oh, no, he's got the Riz, meaning that he's like he's a charismatic kind of chap. What you do is you you kind of put it together with other words and then use it. So a bit like Bantz, actually. I say so old, don't I? (laughs) Apparently this is how you do it. (laughs) So um, there's lots of kind of different ways of using it. But one of the one of the ways they do it is put it with other things. So there's. Rizosaurus Rex, so that means you're full of charisma. Mm. Paying, paying resident evil. <laughs> you're a Ristafarian. And then there's a few that I really think this doesn't really work. Okay, there's Cristiano Rizaldo. That's quite good. Oh, a okay. double Riz. Yeah, double yeah. Riz. There's Martin Luther Riz. That's no. just oh, terrible. No, that's rubbish. No. <laughs> Adolf Rizzler. Oh. <laughs> Oh, a bit I tasteless. I wouldn't oh, no. really use Maybe those no. ones. I know. So I don't think I'll be using Riz too much, I have to say. Anyway, we were looking at all these different words and we found that um, there's a few words that are used that are very popular with the leisure industry. And these are words that are kind of crammed together. 
There's a piece in the Telegraph about the new type of hotel called the Hometel, which mm. Mm, which sounds quite nice actually. I would like to live in a hotel, but um, that's it's but that's my a home. hotel. No, you no, know, no. But I just want like a home tell, so I never leave. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> Go into goblin mode in my home tell. Anyway, <laughs> listen to your podcast. Listen to my podcast exactly. So um, the piece starts with literally this mad list of words that the leisure industry have just made up. Okay, so some of them. One is pleasure. Yeah, what is pleasure? <laughs> I'm, I'm really shocked because it just sounds like somebody's been sick. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's business leisure, isn't it? Which is, uh, what even oh. is that? Um, which isn't a thing anyway. Business no. and leisure doesn't exist. There are other ones, aren't there? Yes, we've got baby moons. Yeah, that's Which is like a honeymoon, rubbish. but after you have a baby. There's buddy moons, which I guess is sort of a honeymoon with a mate. I it's guess. just going away with your mates. It's just pathetic. Glamping. Glamping, which is yeah, I guess. Posh camping. Yeah. You know, um, but it, you've got people in the piece uh, vigorously defending these words because apparently words like staycation are now Googled quite a lot by people looking for places to go on holiday. So actually, the hoteliers are quite happy about these I words. I understand this, but what I just want to know what these things are. I'm just going to read them out. <laughs> you can tell me. Spatisserie. Oh, so I think that's spartisserie. So it's a spa where you have afternoon tea, so there's like patisserie. But That's it does look like it's spatisserie. It's yet another <laughs> thing that makes me think of like something like like I'm either going to be sick or somebody is like it makes me think of rotisserie. <laughs> like got a pig on a spit. But, but I don't want to I don't want to eat a fucking Danish pastry while sweating. That doesn't sound like much fun. <laughs> I know, you want to do them separately, don't Absolutely you? Absolutely separate. Don't cram them together. Okay, I mean, this I think one. it's probably a two stage event. Okay. <laughs> so do two words. What about this one? A crusade crusation. A crusation. It's like what crucifixion. Is a crucifixion. Yes. <laughs> so it sounds really awful. uncomfortable. I don't know I don't what want to that be crusated. is. A spafari. <laughs> so you go in a spa, spa and see a rhino. <laughs> is that bringing a tiger into the sweat room with you? <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> Appearance through the mist of a rhino <laughs> in a steam bath. Slightly alarming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, at the end of the piece, Joy Davis, 56, from Hereford, says she doesn't like these words. And this is her quote. This nonsense has come from the US where it's all brunches and motels. <laughs> I don't particularly like being told my holiday is anything moon, to be honest. What's wrong with a holiday? Joy, I'm on your side. No, joy, listen, joy, 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 hang on, Joy. Motel is a portmanteau word. It's from Motor Hotel. Yeah, she, yeah, she, like she doesn't like it. She doesn't like she, oh, she's saying she doesn't like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, I corrected you, Joy. Um, <laughs> There's, there are some of these. Some of these words are on the front page of the papers today. Though there's shrinkflation on the front page of the Times. That's an awful. One. And there's skimpflation in the Sun. But on page 13 of the Sun, and we've got to go here. There is an incredible <laughs> one because uh, Deliveroo have created something which they're calling the Christmas Sprout Witch. <laughs> right. Which is wait for this. Two slices of sprout focaccia filled with sprout mayo, sprout stuffing, roasted sprouts, sprout shavings and marinated sprout leaves. (laughs) 99p. (laughs) If you didn't know what to do with your sprouts. Fans of sprouts are going to have a hell of a Christmas. It's ever so green in the picture. It's very green Do we think there might be a little bit of food colouring in amid the sprouts? It looks a little bit too green. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> the firm said we have achieved. Listen to this. We have achieved something a third of the nation thinks impossible, <laughs> and made a delicious seasonal sprout creation. <laughs> well, well done, you. <laughs> 
Now, as you all know, here at Papercuts, headlines are our homies. The shorter and sillier, the better, really. Although we don't mind a lengthy rant as long as it ends on a truly awful pun and an exclamation point, preferably two. Do we have any good headlines today? Alex, what do you have? Well, I've got The Sun um, and on page three of The Sun, we've got a story about The Crown, Mm. the Netflix drama about the royals, with a rather alarmingly mocked up picture of Tony Blair at a coronation wearing the full royal regalia. so Becoming king. Becoming king. Apparently this is a dream sequence in The Crown where the Queen, the late Queen, was uh, terribly worried she would be succeeded by Tony Blair at the height of his popularity. And uh, the headline we've got is Tone on Throne. Ah, very nice. Bit bit of rhyme. Bit of rhyme. Um, And then... uh, Sticking with the sun, page 18, uh, again, a very lovely picture. We've got the story that it was the first ever Rocky Day. So I don't know if you've been to Philadelphia, but there is a very famous <laughs> statue of the uh, fictional boxer Rocky Balboa outside the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So you run up the steps where he runs up in the film and there you go. And so it was Rocky, it's 47 years to the day after the release of Rocky. Sylvester Stallone was there to cut the ribbon on the first ever Rocky Day. Oh, Philadelphia is very lovely. nice. And they've got a lovely picture of him. The massive, well, either it's a massive pair of scissors or Sylvester Stallone's really small. I don't know. <laughs> it's possibly both. One or the other. Um, and our lovely headline, Rocky Paper Scissors. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yay. Although there's no paper. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, this is a paper. The sun's a paper. Okay, that's true. <laughs> okay, what do you have, Jason? Right, I am balls deep in the star. <laughs> um, the star now, is very happy to have you. Yeah. I'm, I'm but sure. what about the headline? <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, I know our lovely listeners understand how this bit works, which is that we tell you the story and then we reveal the lovely headline. But I'm going to break that, the rule twice today because it's a special 100th episode. <laughs> the first headline I'm going to read from the start is one which no one in the production office can work out. <laughs> right? So world leaders are talking about um, the uh, methane emitted by cows yeah. at COP. And the headline is Cow Fart Beef. Cow fart beef. And none of us can work out what is is this a pun? Does it refer to something else? No one can decipher it. So, (laughs) listeners, if you can, can you let us know? I mean, maybe beef as in disagreement. Beef, it means argument, but cow fart beef. Otherwise, it would be (laughs) cow farts beef. (laughs) I think it's just because it's the word beef. But what they should do is cow beef or fart beef? Cow fart beef. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's just very strange. I mean, I was looking for a Captain Beef Fart thing in there, and we couldn't (laughs) find one. On for the older listeners there. Okay, so that's breaking the that's breaking the rule one. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. We have the possibility that AI, and this is just quite alarming, is going to predict when crimes are going to happen, which is yet more Black Mirror or even Minority Report. Under the headline "Bots all this," then oh, I like that. Which is very good. Yeah. And now here's an absolute stone-cold classic from the star. A bricklayer who left school with no GCSE says he's earning £10,000 a month and drives a £30,000 sports car. Good for him. Mm. And the headline... (laughs) He's quite good-looking. I have to say, he looks great in a hard hat. He's quite good-looking, actually. (laughs) I think that's why he's there. He's fit. Wow, OK, nice. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the headline is, Yep, it's bricks and more, tar. Oh, very good. Yeah, Yeah. excellent. Okay, and here is breaking the rule number two. (laughs) The headline is, 
So it's, I'm doing this the other way around. I'm doing headline first, and then we're going to mm. go to the story. Okay. The headline is The Collie Wobbles. Yeah. And there is a picture of what looks like a collie jumping over a thing. <laughs> but here comes the story. A man who spent £12,000 on turning himself into a dog... <laughs> Takes on a Crufts-style agility course. <laughs> so this is a man in a dog costume. Oh, that is so good. Pretending to cruft about in his garden. Oh, that is so excellent. I Can we go watch? Hobby. It, I mean, it's ever such a good collie costume. I must it's say, a really distance, good costume. You'd yes. never know it was a chap. <laughs> Fans were divided by his antics. One wrote, he tried his best. That's what matters. Yeah, another, good point. Another added, get therapy. <laughs> He's got therapy. This is his therapy. I feel like it should be filmed. <laughs> I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeeda Varsi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, in between the right royal race rows and the referees wrong again rumpus, you will find the fun stuff of the papers. The features, the fashion, the first-person confessions. And inside the papers today, there is a very exciting story about Papercut's favourite, Dr Alistair Bush, who, you might remember, entered into the World Mullet Competition and had to travel to Australia to Curry Curry, New South Wales, in order to enter. He has come home a winner. Hey! Hey! And under the excellent headline, mullet over, in oh, the mirror, <laughs> we get the details. Uh, the star also has one, which is main man. Anyway, he's 45. He won best international mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a very difficult category. He did really, really well. Um, because obviously people have travelled in to... Do you enter. think this is harder than winning best regional mullet? Then, I think you? so. Oh, yeah, The yeah. regional mullet was actually... There was, an a there was different ages. You could win a, in like a mullet competition. There was like kind of ages six to eight. <laughs> this is quite <laughs> serious, this It was contest, really it? serious. It's really serious. Anyway, he's now won it and... For people who haven't seen him, he's in the papers today and we've seen him before. It's a really good mullet because the whole point of the mullet is it's business at the front, party at the back. And it's absolutely genuinely that. <laughs> Rather really than is. like a kind of trendy Dalston look or yeah. a rat tail, he's really gone for the very, you know, very serious doctor look at the front and then full on curly whirly at the back. It's he's done really well. But anyway, now he's won and he's got a little cup, he's going to cut it off, which I'm very sad about. That's very sad. I mean, at least we'll always have the photos. We will have the photos, but he's putting the remains in an urn. What? <laughs> like the ashes and cricket. So I don't, know, I don't know if he might be burning it. But anyway, he's putting whatever is left of the curly mullet. He must burn it. He's going to have to oh, burn you it. You don't want to burn it. hair. No, the smell stinks. just stinks it's terrible, but he weeks. needs the ashes to put them in the urn because, this is his quote, as a pom, beating the Aussies would feel like retribution for the 1882 Ashes series. Not a clue, but anyway, it's something wow. to do with cricket. Long grudge. Long yeah. grudge, Dr Alistair. <laughs> I know, really long. But anyway, he's super stoked to have won the prize. He's obviously using Aussie 
lead talk there. And it's been an awesome experience, but it's now time for the mullet to go. It's very sad. But while he's done it, he's raised £1,900 for Testicular Cancer UK, and we salute you, Dr Alistair Bush. Good man. Great Bush. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Alex. Thank you. And thanks to Jason. Thank you. And there's just time to mention our fabulous Paper Cuts shop. Christmas is creeping up on us like Santa in Ugg boots. So <laughs> why not one-stop panic buy some gifts for your loved ones by visiting podmarket.co.uk, our online store. There you will find exclusive Paper Cuts hoodies, new design Paper Cuts t-shirts and super great Paper Cuts mugs that say thank God for the star on them. and there are other top bits of merch from our companion podcasts Oh God What Now The Bunker This Is Not A Drill and Origin Story so click on podmarket.co.uk and make your Christmas swing-a-rillant I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when the star has revealed that 20% of men wear their undies for a whole week no (laughs) they don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Only you, though, Jace. We tried to write a joke about that, but we couldn't think of any clean ones. Hey! Happy See- 100th episode. Well <laughs> Fantastic one. See you tomorrow. Papercuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Jason Hazley and Alex von Tunzelman. The producer was Liam Tate, assistant producer Adam Wright, and audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpen, Design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. And group editor is Andrew Harrison. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. 